Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Happy Saturday. Welcome into another episode of the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. And of course, please make sure to subscribe if you have not already so you're notified anytime there is new content. And there's going to be some brand new stuff that is coming up as we launch training camp and go into the season, etc. So you're going to want to make sure you're following and subscribed. Today, We get to follow up our fantastic episode yesterday where we got to roast the Chicago Bears for 20 minutes and going over why they will ultimately fail in 2023 by going over the Minnesota Vikings and why they will ultimately fail this season in 2023. Now, unlike yesterday's team, the Chicago Bears, who was the absolute worst team in football with a 3-14 record, the Minnesota Vikings had a very impressive regular season last year a 13-4 overall record, one of the best teams throughout the course of the regular season, but there were some red flags and certainly some play towards the end of the year that I think gave the Vikings some you know, cause for concern and some reasons why they're starting to restructure this roster a little bit. But I think what ultimately showed that they may have some trouble in the playoffs, which came to fruition as they lost to the New York Giants as well, was some of that play down the stretch. So First things first, they did lose, in fact, to the New York Giants in the first round of the playoffs. And even though they had that 13-4 and record, they had a negative three-point differential, which is more of like a 8-9 sort of team, maybe a 9-8 team, maybe a 10-7 if you get really lucky. But if you have a negative three-point differential, it is very likely that you are not finishing with a 13-4 and record. Yet somehow the Minnesota Vikings found a way to do that in large part because they won a ton of extremely close games. Then there were some games down the stretch that just didn't feel like you know how the Vikings had started the season. They were down 33 to nothing to the Indianapolis Colts and give them credit for making an incredible comeback win. But being down 33 to nothing had it not been for a crazy Colts collapse in that game, they should have lost that game. They then beat the New York Giants by three, 27 to 24. They get crushed by the Packers. They win against the Bears in the final week in a game that did not matter to either team whatsoever. And then they lose to the Giants in the final or in their final game of the season in the first round of the playoffs. 
and they go three and two technically over that last stretch. But one of those wins was the Bears game where again, neither team really had anything to play for in that game. And had that Colts game gone just slightly different after being down 33 to nothing, that would have been, um, you know, what, two and three record with, again, maybe one and three if you take out that Bears game. And even if you expand upon that, even if you give them the credit for the three wins, they were five and four over their last nine games after starting eight and one on the season. So you start eight and one, you go five and four after that. And again, there's a couple asterisks with that Colts game in there, as well as a game against the Bears that doesn't even matter. So that changes the calculus for how that team finished. And, you know, we talked yesterday about the Bears who finished 0 and 10 in their last 10 games. And you were looking for some sort of sign of like, oh, did they make a leap or a step in the second half of the year? The answer was no. The Vikings, you can kind of say, like actually went quite the opposite, right? They, they went in a very negative direction. They started eight and one, looked fantastic through those first nine games. And then those last nine, nine, five and four, and just didn't look quite the same through the second half of the season. Now, I know some people will say, well, they were one of the most fraudulent 13 win teams, that negative point differential. I'm sure just like Packer fans didn't like being called the most fraudulent 13-win team in 2019, I'm sure the Vikings don't like being called that last year either. And at some point, your job is to go out and win the football game through hell or high water, through hook or crook, and you just have to ultimately find a way to win. It doesn't really matter how you do it. But what we find out more often than not is if that's the sort of regular season that you're just skating by by the skin of your teeth you ultimately end up probably falling a little bit flat in the playoffs. And that's exactly what Green Bay, or excuse me, what Green Bay did eventually in 2019 when they lost to the 49ers in convincing fashion in the NFC NFC Championship game and what Minnesota had happened to the Giants in the first round a season ago. So again, give them credit for the 13 wins. And we were always expecting them to sort of be a sort of regression candidate in 2013 or in 2023, uh, simply because how they finished a season ago, how they played throughout the course of the year, a lot of those close wins. But I think the fact that they also lost a lot of key players from that team makes them even more of a regression candidate, which we're going to go, you know, get into more in just a moment. So why were they good and why were they maybe not quite so good a season ago that maybe Minnesota thought they were and why did they ultimately fail in the playoffs? Well, the good news for the Vikings, if you're a Viking fan, is that the offense was pretty freaking good. You were eighth in the league in points per game a season ago, sixth in yards per game, 11th in third down conversion percentage, eighth in red zone scoring offense, eighth in touchdowns per game, fifth in completion percentage, fourth in passing yards per game. Like that is a lot of very positive statistics for your offense. Now, the only red flag here, you're 26th in yards per rush and 29th in rushing yards per game. So the rushing attack wasn't very good, but the overall passing attack and the overall offense was very, very good, ranking eighth in points per game. But on the flip side, the defense struggled quite a bit. They were 30th in points allowed per game with 25.4 points allowed, 31st in yards allowed per game, the second worst defense in the league in yards allowed with 391.1 yards allowed per game. 22nd in rushing yards allowed per attempt, 31st in passing yards allowed per game, and 23rd in sack percentage. So they struggled getting to the quarterback, they struggled stopping the run, they struggled stopping the pass, and ultimately ended up with the 30th ranked scoring defense a season ago. They were a slightly above average turnover team, top five in penalty yardage, so they did a good job there. But you had a really good offense, a really, really awful defense, and that ended up being a slight negative, and it ultimately ended up costing them towards the end of the season and ultimately when the playoffs came around. 
As far as coaching staff changes or any major changes in that side of things, they did make one very you know big change. Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, is out. Brian Flores is in. They made some additional positional coaching changes as well, but that is going to be one of the big things to keep an eye on is how do things look on this Vikings defense with Donatel out and Brian Flores is in. That does have the potential to you know work out well, I think, for Minnesota. I do think Flores is a little bit better of a defensive coordinator at this point in their careers, and that should be a win for the Vikings. But then we get into the overall players and transactions that took place through the course of this offseason. Now, they gained some nice players. Josh Oliver, if you remember, prior to the start of the offseason, Josh Oliver was a player that I had potentially said that Green Bay could target as a tight end based on what he could bring to the table as a blocker. I thought he was a real potential breakout candidate. Minnesota gets him. Now, the issue here is they paid, paid, paid him. Like they gave him a pretty significant contract for a player who hasn't done a ton at the NFL level. Now, don't hate the signing. In fact, I think it's going to be a net positive for them. I think they probably overpaid a little bit, but that, I, I like that sign for Minnesota. And he teams really, really well with TJ Hawkinson. They're both fantastic blockers. They're both good pass catchers. That's going to be a pretty solid two tight end set for Minnesota. I think we're going to see a lot of that two tight end set this upcoming season. Marcus Davenport is going to replace Darius Smith. We'll get to that more in just a moment. They bring in Dean Lowry. I don't think any Packer fans are going to be too upset about that. They bring in Byron Murphy for Patrick Peterson, which we'll talk about. Jawan Williams, Brandon Powell, and Troy Reader. So they bring in some guys, and certainly Davenport, Oliver, Byron Williams have the opportunity to help Minnesota this upcoming season. But what they lost is fairly significant. Dalvin Cook at running back, Adam Thielen at wide receiver, Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. That one sounds worse than it was. Irv Smith never really came to fruition or did that much in Minnesota. So that's not going to be that big of a loss. Dalvin Tomlinson is huge though. He was awesome for the Vikings a season ago and was really kind of the you know, the engine in the the center of that Vikings defense and really kind of kind of like a lot of what Kenny Clark does for the Packers defense, just plugging everything up up front, also has the ability to penetrate. He was awesome against the Packers last year. That I think is going to be a very big loss. He heads to Cleveland. They lose Eric Kendricks, kind of the heart and soul of that second tier, that that linebacker group, the, the obviously they're off-ball linebackers. That's going to be a bit of a loss. Patrick Peterson is gone at corner. So is Cam Dantzler, Duke Shelley, and Shannon Sullivan. They basically wiped out a huge chunk of their defensive back, or at least their cornerback room. And then Zadarius Smith, as mentioned, is gone as well. He gets traded. So Zadarius Smith, Delvin Tomlinson, specifically on the defensive side of the ball for a team that really struggled on defense last year. Two of their better players, in fact, I would argue their two best defensive players were Z and Dalvin Tomlinson. I understand why they moved on from Z, and I know it was tough financially to keep Dalvin Tomlinson, but it is hard to make an argument that their defense is going to be better without Zadarius Smith and without Dalvin Tomlinson, even knowing they brought in a Byron Murphy, a Marcus Davenport, Dean Lowry, etc. Patrick Peterson is a loss. And, you know, they, I think they were smart to remake that secondary and to try to bring in some new faces. And we'll kind of go over that depth chart in just a moment. But overall, when you are looking at a team that was already set to be a regression candidate from a season ago, and now they are looking at losing some fairly significant players, especially on the defensive side of the ball for a defense that was already really bad, that is a very, very tough pill to swallow. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. 
Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so let's then look at what they were able to accomplish in the draft. Jordan Addison at wide receiver, I think this is a really solid selection. And I would go so far to say, I think Jordan Addison will be able to come in and immediately replace Adam Thielen's production. And Thielen wasn't playing his best brand of football by the end of his stay in Minnesota. I think he goes to Carolina, if I remember correctly. Uh, But either way, I think Addison's going to be a value add for the Vikings at that spot. They get Makai Blackman in the second round. That has the potential to be a starting corner immediately for them and potentially an upgrade. Now, not an upgrade to Patrick Peterson, but probably at least possibly an upgrade over, I think, anyone else that was on that roster. You're expecting Byron Murphy to be able to come in and help replace Peterson a little bit as well. They get Jay Ward from LSU, uh, Jaqueline Roy from LSU, Jaron Hall, a quarterback I really liked coming out of BYU. I think he has the opportunity to earn that backup quarterback spot. And then Dwayne McBride, the running back out of UAB. So a solid, but I think mostly unspectacular draft, although I do like Addison Blackman and Jaron Hall out of that group quite a bit. So we'll see what that ultimately becomes. But you're looking at Jordan Addison having to replace Adam Thielen, Makai Blackman, maybe even having to sort of try to replace Patrick Peterson if you're thinking Byron Murphy's maybe going to play a little bit more in the slot. And then, you know, Jay Ward, Jaqueline Roy, Jaron Hall, Dwayne McBride, you just kind of see what they ultimately can bring to the table. You're not looking probably at Roy or Hall or McBride to make too much of an impact in 2023. Maybe Jay Ward, a fourth round pick, can certainly help at corner a little as well, but that will remain to be seen. Now, as far as their depth chart goes, this is where things ultimately get a little bit interesting. Now, they still have Kirk Cousins. And as much as it pains me to say this, Kirk was really good a season ago. Now, some of the big time games and those sort of things still are 
a little bit questionable at times, but he had a very nice season. And I think that is still a, a spot where you're not super concerned if you're Vikings. I think the, the concern is what's the ceiling? And you sort of know what the ceiling is with Kirk. It's good. And sometimes even really good, but it's very, you know, few and far between that it's great. And the, the big question is, can he ever actually win the big one as a starting quarterback of your team, especially one that makes as much money as Kirk does? You have Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, Kenny Nwagmu, and Dwayne McBride at running back. But I think losing, you know, just, you know, losing Dalvin Cook there is certainly going to be an issue. And they didn't run the ball overall that well last season. And losing Dalvin Cook is not going to help that. Wide receiver, you have Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in football. That's going to help a lot of things. Jordan Addison, like I said, he's going to come in and replace that production right away. KJ Osborne's fine. Then you got kind of a lot of nothing. Jalen Rager, Jalen Naylor, Brandon Powell, you know, Blake Prohl. Like there's just not a whole lot here to be super excited about. The offensive line's really, really solid. Christian Darisaw is becoming one of the best left tackles in football. Ezra Cleveland's a really good left guard. Garrett Bradbury still hit and miss. Ed Ingram played a solid season last year as a rookie. I expect him to be better in year two. And Brian O'Neill might be the most underrated player in the league as a starting right tackle. He is just consistently sound and solid. So you have a very solid offensive line there. Depth is a little bit of a question, but a good offensive line nonetheless but it's still the defensive side of the ball. And let me just take a step back, actually. If you told me on offense, even though you lose a Delvin Cook, and even though you lose uh, Adam Thielen, if you told me this offense was just as good this season with Alexander Madison taking the primary running back snaps and Jordan Addison replacing you know, Adam Thielen, that would not surprise me. If they were the eighth to ninth ranked offense again this year, I think that's very believable. Now, the big question to me is, are teams going to buy the play action quite as much without Delvin Cook in there? I think that's going to be you know something that they're going to have to figure out. I think teams will be onto this Minnesota offense a little bit in O'Connell's second year as head coach and you know play caller. I think that's going to be something that could take a step back. Kirk Cousins played very well a season ago. Is that repeatable this upcoming season? There's some question marks there, but I overall like this team. And then the tight ends, I forgot to mention as well, TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver at tight end, I think has the ability to you know be a really good number, you know, one, two combination combination at tight end. And you look at those two tight ends with Jefferson and Addison at wide receiver and Madison in the backfield. I think that's the look that you're going to see a lot of with two good blocking tight ends who can both get out in the passing game, two dynamic wide receivers on the outside with a really solid sound running back in Alexander Madison in the backfield with cousins at QB and a strong five-man offensive line. That's going to be a good offense. I really, really think that that's the case, but you go back to defense. You start with their defensive front. Their three-man defensive front is likely to be some form of maybe Jaqueline Roy gets in there, but Dean Lowry, Kyris Tonga, Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Bullard, Ross Blacklock. Like it is a lot of ugh, like a lot of meh for that defensive front for Minnesota. That is my biggest concern with them right then and there is because I think they're going to struggle stopping the run with that group. I think they're going to struggle generating any pass rush with those you know, defensive linemen up front. We'll get to their edge rushers in just a second, but that is a major, major question mark. You then get to edge. If Daniil Hunter and if Marcus Davenport are both healthy, that has the ability to be a good pass rush group. Not a great pass rush group, but good. And I think better, uh, at least in the conversation from a season ago, I mean, Z was really, really good. You don't have Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle anymore. So it's going to be hard to be better, but I think they can still be at least fine, if not good on the outside, if Hunter and Davenport can stay healthy. But you know, Hunter staying healthy as of late has not been something that has been relatively consistent for him. Jordan Hicks, Brian Asamoa, Troy Reader, Troy Dye, They've got some off-ball linebackers, but I do think losing Eric Kendricks in the middle of that defense is certainly going to hurt. And then how much can this reformed corner group be better than they were a season ago? 
As mentioned, they basically nuked everyone from that group. You got Andrew Booth playing in his second year. Makai Blackman is a second round pick, as we talked about. We'll see what he can do. You've got Byron Murphy, Jay Ward in the fourth round, Jawan Williams, they signed from New England. They've got some guys there, but I, you know, I'm not sure that that's going to equate to this really good defensive backfield. They do still have Harrison Smith. I really like Cameron Bynum next to him at safety. I think he's a very underrated player as well. They'll get Lewis Seen back, their uh, first round pick from a season ago who broke his neck um, last year in a devastating injury. We'll see when he's ready to go and, uh, you know, Hopefully he's healthy. You never want to see a player get lost due to injury. So, you know, we'll see what he can come, you know, back and do in his second year. They had a lot of high hopes for him as a rookie, you know, prior to having him get the injury. So that could potentially be an addition as well. But you overall look at that defense. You got two good edge rushers, a cornerback group that's still questionable, a safety group that's led by Harrison Smith, who's getting older, and a three-man defensive line that is really, really tough. So even if their offense is just as good, I'm not convinced that this defense got better. In fact, I think you can make a strong argument that the defense actually got worse. Special teams should be fine. Nothing to write home about one way or the other. So I talked about this yesterday with the Bears. Like Ultimately, who are you afraid of on this team? First and foremost, you have the unguardable Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in football, arguably the second best wide receiver at this stage of his career of all time. I think you can make a strong argument. Randy Moss is the only wide receiver through you know the first, what, three years is it now of Justin Jefferson's career? This will be his fourth season. Um, I think you can make the argument that Randy Moss is the only one that's better than Jefferson to that point. Like He is unguardable. You can't cover him. He's insane. And Packer fans know through having Devontae Adams, when you have a pure number one wide receiver that can just win all the time, that makes things a lot easier for your offense. It's why the passing offense was so great. It's why Kirk Cousins had arguably the best season of his career. When you have that guy, it is it just gives opposing teams nightmares and he is that freaking good. So that's the first thing you have to account for and stop Justin Jefferson. Now I will argue that there's a lot that goes on Justin Jefferson's plate, meaning with no more Dalvin Cook, no more Adam Thielen, like if he all of a sudden goes down, like Jordan Addison is now your number one, KJ Osborne's your number two, you're gonna have to, you know, do a lot uh, and, and depend a lot on your running game. That was not a strength of theirs a season ago. Maybe lean on TJ Hawkinson a little bit more. But there is like, if anything were to happen to Justin Jefferson at all, I think that offense goes from potentially a top six, seven, eight offense to potentially a bottom six, seven, eight offense. Like that's the impact of Justin Jefferson, but he is unreal. And that is number one A on every team's to-do list when they play the Minnesota Vikings is try to figure out a way to stop him. I think you have a very good, well-rounded overall offense as a whole. Kirk Cousins had a good season. You've got good running backs, good offensive line, good tight ends, two good receivers. Like I think overall, you just look at that offense, you're like, you're going to have your work cut out for you just because there's not really a weakness and you know you're going to have to battle throughout the entirety of the day if you're an opposing defense. Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport off the edge has the opportunity to be good. And then Christian Derrissaw, as mentioned, has developed into one of the best left tackles in football. So you're sort of worried at least a little bit about the edge rushers, but not. it's not like we're talking a top eight pass rush group here, right? Like you see this type of pass rush almost on any given Sunday. So, But you're still aware of Davenport and Hunter, it's, again, if, if they're healthy. You're concerned about the overall offense. You're concerned about how you're going to make any hay against Christian Derrissaw on that side of the offensive line. And then you've got Justin Jefferson, who you have to contain. But is that enough? Is that overall, like, you know, enough, like, dynamic firepower to make them a top team in the league? I'm not sure that I believe that it is. And it's hard to see this team doing anything but take a step back when Dalvin Cook is gone, when you have Adam Thielen that's, you know, 
basically it's just swapping out for Jordan Addison at this point. You do have Josh Oliver in over Irv Smith Jr. That should be a slight upgrade. Zadarius Smith is gone. Marcus Davenport is in. I think that's a slight downgrade. Delvin Tomlinson is gone. Dean Lowry is in. That's a massive downgrade. Eric Kendricks is gone. Troy Reader is in. That's a downgrade. You changed out the entire corner group. It was awful a season ago. So maybe even though I don't think it's great, maybe it's a slight upgrade. You do get Lewis seen back at safety, but it's really tough to put a story together that would be like, yeah, this team's going to be a lot better or even better than they were, or at least even try to argue that they're not going to be a significant step worse than they were a season ago. This is a team who overachieved in 2022 and kudos to them for doing that. You win 13 games, it's not nothing, but they were already destined to come back to earth in 2023 just based on their production from a season ago. They lose a lot of key pieces, including Cook, Z, Tomlinson, Peterson, and Kendricks. It's hard to see where they got better in any capacity. And you can argue that they were already in no man's land with this team, not really having a ton of young talent outside of Jefferson and Derisaw, a lot of aging veterans. Now they've moved on from some of those aging veterans, but they bring in Marcus Davenport, Dean Lowry, some of these guys in return. It's just, they still remain in sort of NFL purgatory where you're going to be this team that's fine, but I don't think you're ever going to be really good. And if you're a Packer fan, that's exactly where you want them to be. Full stop. The Minnesota Vikings could win the NFC North this year. I don't think there's a ton of question about that. But I will also say this. The Minnesota Vikings are the last team in the NFC North that like, if, if you could take over, if you were just a GM, you had no affiliation and you lined up these teams, Vikings, Packers, Bears, Lions, and said, which one would you like to take over um, as GM for? Just based on what they have, talent, roster, th- that sort of thing. To me, Minnesota is the fourth place team in this group for where they're at right now. Chicago is at least building towards something. Detroit has a very fun young core and nucleus, and they seem to be trending in the right direction. Green Bay still has some really interesting young talent. Now, if Jordan Love fails, they're not too much of a different situation than what the Minnesota Vikings are at. In fact, maybe even worse, you could argue, depending on how some of the young talent comes along. But Green Bay has a lot more you know, under 25 talent because of the trades of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. They've got potentially two first round picks a season from now. You have that lottery ticket in Jordan Love who could potentially pay off. Minnesota doesn't have that stuff. Kirk Cousins is just getting older and eventually they're going to have to replace him. They have no logical replacement for him on the roster right now. So I would argue very soundly that Minnesota is the worst situation long-term of these four teams in the NFC North. You have a core of Christian Derrissaw, Justin Jefferson. We'll see what Jordan Addison and Blackman can bring as rookies this year, but it is not a super talented young core of this team that you are just like, wow, I can't see what they do. Justin Jefferson brings you a ton and one of the top five players, arguably in at any position in the NFL. But if I'm looking at this Minnesota Viking team, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that's going to start in 2023. If you're a Packer fan, that should give you a lot of positive thoughts to think about. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.